two extremely heavy suitcases, half a semester worth of tuition in the form of traveler's checks, I find myself exactly 14,705 miles away from home, thriving in the great American dream. Well, most stories that you hear about this kind of a journey starts off very bleak, poverty, struggle. Mine is not such a story. Mine is a story of a young man who left and came here, dropped a career that I was extremely successful at to come and search for what I've considered to be the next step. A very moving conversation is one that I had with the registrar when I first got here. Got to the school, had my two very heavy suitcases, went into Bob's office and introduced myself. He looked at me and he looked at my file and with his head tilted with curiosity, he looked at me and said, what are you doing here? Well, it is this question that I'm going to attempt to answer in this podcast. What am I doing here? The struggle of uh, selling cars is that a mid-size to large dealership is selling probably about 15 cars or so a day. And that's a, that's a pretty uh, large dealership if you want to really look at it. Um, and in order to sell that many, you're probably looking at having probably 40 salespeople or thereabouts. So what's happening is that all 40 of you are competing to get those 15 sales a day. Now, if you're in that, as I was at the time, you quickly realize that you've got to get creative. And my having had some experience in sales with my insurance job, I recalled the number one requirement for being a good salesperson, which my old mentor uh, once told me is that no matter how good you are at this job, you will never be good or great if you cannot prospect. So what this meant is that if I couldn't bring my own people into the store, if I couldn't create my own traffic, so to speak, I wasn't really going to make it. I was maybe at best be average, struggle to break even on a month-to-month -month basis, on a daily basis. But if I was really going to get good at this thing, I needed to take it to a new level, take it a little bit more seriously. And as I talk to salespeople today, that's the same thing I say, I tell them. So I take it a little bit seriously. If you do, you'll find yourself getting more and more creative or coming up with different things that you can do, but not just coming up with them, but actually following through with the things that you do. So what did I do? Um, at the time, there used to be, every household used to get um, an envelope, an envelope full of coupons. I think it was called value pack or something of that nature. Anyway, every, every household used to get a, uh, this envelope and I can't remember how often it came, but I think it came at least once or twice a month. So I decided I was going to utilize this and see if I can call these people 
and include one of my coupons in this envelope so that it can go to every household around where the dealership was. So I uh, went to my general manager and proposed the idea that I wanted to do. I was very uh, forthcoming and he said, great, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I'll pay half for half of it and you'll pay for half of it. So called the company, got it set up and uh, put it into motion. So let me digress a little bit and say, maybe what I should have done is I should have started this thing as this is the birth of Regis. Regis is born, so to speak. And why am I saying that? I'm saying that because up until now, I had pronounced my name Regis, I think. It's not, uh, it's not easy to say anymore after 20 some years. I think, I think, yeah, Regis. And not only that, but that's how I grew up. Um, everybody that I knew growing up pronounced it that way. I pronounced it that way. So I was Regis. And the few people that called me Regis were people that probably didn't know me very well. Uh, and people that had just looked at my name and read it out right uh, read it out. Uh, and they called it uh, Regis. You know, I had some professors and people in college that used to call me Regis and I, I you know, I, I, I didn't care. It's like, okay, whatever. The people that were close to me, they knew my pronunciation was Regis. Nevertheless, um, Regis is born. And um, how he comes to be is as follows. I get with my general manager. We create this coupon and send it out to this folks, to this household. And lo and behold, I start seeing a little bit of traffic. This thing starts to work. These folks are coming in and they're asking for uh, for me and, I, you know, we do the deal and they get their free window tint or whatever it is uh, else that I promised on that ticket, on that coupon, and things are working pretty good. As we are seeing the success of this coupon, I realize that quite a bit of the sales are slipping through the cracks and I'm not understanding it because, it, it, it you know, it's... And then, and then I find out that um, I've had more sales than what's on the books. Folks are coming in and they're asking for for Reggie, for Regis, for Regis, for uh, Reggie. And <laughs> guess what? We have a Reginald that worked with us. And Reginald was obviously... Uh, greeting those people and they asked for Reggie or Regis or whatever version of the pronunciation it was and he said he was Reginald and he was Reginald and he he took my business he took the sale helped those people out and nobody ever knew the difference so Having found this out, I, I, I say to myself, listen, we, we, we got we to gotta fix this. We got to change something here. It's either I'm going to have to change dealerships or I'm going to have to change strategies because, I mean, how, how many times has this been happening? You know? So from that day on, I went back to the pronunciation that everybody else had been using throughout my college career. And... Uh, some other people. I said, you know what? I'm going to make sure I pronounce this 
and introduce myself as Regis. So that's how Regis was born. I even went as far as dropping one of the G's from my name because I had two G's and I said, you know what, this is not going to work. Let me make sure there's only one G so that there's no mistake. It will be pronounced as Regis. So Regis is born and Regis starts selling cars and proceeds with his deal. Now, here comes a point where I've been selling cars for however long it was. And I think really at the back of my mind, I start getting bored, I think. I'm, 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 I'm seeing that glass ceiling again. I'm thinking to myself, God, this is getting boring. There is no challenge to this. Yes, I'm not number one on the board, but I'm in the top five every month. Where am I going? Did I do all that? Spend all that time? Did I do everything I did to come to college and just be comfortable with being a salesperson, being a car salesperson? And again, this is the time too that um, having been introduced into the business, I, I obviously I didn't know this beforehand, but you start to find out that car salespeople have got a stigma. We have a stigma in society. Nobody really cares as to how well we do or even thinks we do well, but we, we just have a stigma. People think we're crooks. Everybody thinks you're a crook. If you sell cars, you, you know, you're shady. And I'm saying to myself, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not shady. Everything I'm doing is on the up and up. But that's, that's a paint um, or that's a brush that you're painted with. So anyway, I, 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 start, I start getting bored a little bit. And, um, you know, I start looking and, and, and at, at what other places or what other uh, people in the dealership are doing. And, and the people that I'd been spending time with, I'm starting to understand different uh, uh, departments of the, of, the, of the business. I met a very nice guy. He was uh, in charge of a department, special finance department. They take care of um, people with bad credit. Well, I didn't really meet him. He had been working there, you know, before I started. But, you know, I started spending a little bit of time with him, talking to him. And, you know, he's nice enough to share some of his knowledge and show me some things and have me do some things for him, etc., etc. So, you know, I'm learning a little bit. And I guess it's keeping my mind uh, um, occupied, stimulated in a sense. So I'm kind of liking that, you know. Every now and again, I'll go and ask him, hey, what's going on? What are you doing with this? Blah, 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 blah. Because I'm, I'm one of those people I, I want to learn as much as I can. You know, I don't want to stay idle. So fast forward, something happens between him and management. And he says, you know what? I'm out. I'm done. And he leaves just abruptly, you know, gets up and leaves. And I learned of his departure. <laughs> and I, uh, I go to the general manager and I said, hey, listen. Uh, he just left, so um, I want his job. And the guy looks at me and says, do you, know, do you know his job? 
because I mean, he knew that um, I just started uh, selling cars. I had not sold cars before. This was my first go at it. So I said, well, he's been teaching me all those things. I've been helping him and he's been showing me how to do um, do a lot of the stuff that he does. So I've got a pretty good grasp on it. I've got I've got a pretty good idea on how it's done. I, I can do it. 100% I can do it. And for some reason, this guy, he says, yes. He says, okay. In my head, I'm like, what? But yes. He said, yes. He said, sure. So that's how I got into special finance. That's how I uh, got into this department. And when I look back, I'm like, this guy must have been out of his mind. Or something just pushed him to say, I don't know to this day why he said yes. Because look, if I was in charge today, I'm the general manager. Some kid comes to me and he says he wants to run a special finance department. A department that naturally brings in uh, a decent percentage of my business. It generates a good percentage of my monthly business is my special finance department. Now I'm going to hand it over to somebody who has never done it before and be okay with that. I would be saying no. If I was a general manager, I'd be saying, no, kick rocks, buddy. You know, best case scenario, maybe I'm, I might let you be an assistant once I hire somebody who knows what they're doing. But I'm not going to gamble with you. But this is exactly what he did. This is exactly what he did. So there was special finance department sitting in front of that computer. He had shown me some things, yes, but... Was I ready for all of this? <laughs> no. No, I wasn't. I didn't have a clue. Did I understand the financial terms and the finance side of things? You know, a little carryover from what I learned in school. Yeah, I did. APR, all that good stuff. I Yeah. But so what? You've never done the job before. You got no idea. So I picked up the phone called all the banks, introduced myself, and was very honest. Hey, listen, I'm new. I need a lot of help. Tell me exactly what kind of uh, um, proposals I should be sending to you. What am I looking for? What are you interested in buying? Which people are you interested in loaning vehicles to? What criteria do they ha must have? What are the things I'm looking for? So I need little cheat sheets, basically. I cheat sheet for A bank, I cheat sheet for B bank, I cheat for X bank and Z bank, etc., etc. So that's how I did it. So I'd get a customer and I'll see which profile he fits into and I'll send it to that bank or one or two banks or three banks and, you know, see what they say. And usually if it checks all the boxes for the criteria that they gave me, I got a favorable response. <laughs> this little formula wasn't too bad. It worked out okay. It worked out okay. I was able to get some people financed. I was able to help the dealership sell a few more cars uh, in that special finance department. But listen, confidence is a wonderful thing and it's a great thing to have. Because when I walked into that office, shoulders held up high, head up high, yes. So-and-so just left and uh, I want their job. I was as confident as can be. 
and did not show a shadow of doubt. And I guess that confidence helped him, made him say yes. It did, because he said yes, much to my surprise, because it's something that I just convinced myself at that particular time that I was going to try. I was going to try and get this job. He might say no, but that doesn't matter. I'm still going to try. If he says yes, great. If he says no, that's okay. We'll figure it out, you know, whatever happens when we cross the bridge. So whatever you do, if you are not believing in the fact that it can be done, then it won't be done. There's a saying that says, if you believe it can be done, it can be done. If you believe it cannot be done, it cannot be done. So I believe that I should get it. Hell, I've got a finance degree. Why shouldn't I get it? You know, why shouldn't I get it? So I walked in there with all the faith in the world, thinking that, you know what, well, I've been here long enough. You know, I've been here a while. I've sold some cars. I've shown that I can, I understand this business and I can sell some cars. So why shouldn't I get the next step? So I got it. So anyway, um, fast forward, we're doing okay. This department is doing okay. You know, two, three months, four months into it, this guy's actually bragging to some of his friends that, yeah, I took this kid from from, uh, from the showroom floor and I just threw him in there. And he's doing okay. He's done so many deals last month. He did so many deals the month before. I mean, I'm, I haven't really missed that, that, that much. Business, if, if I've lost a few deals, it's not that many. So I guess the people he was talking to were encouraged by his message, by his approach, by him taking a chance on on a kid on the on the on the on the sales floor. And not only that, but I think I would imagine, um, now that I look at it with different goggles, that it's a huge motivation uh, tool to be able to promote from within, to be able to take your own people and take them from one point to the next being able to show them that you can grow within the organization. So that was a huge point for him. I think he, he loved it. And I think he, he, it worked out great for both of us. But what I learned is the importance of understanding that every single day that you're working, you are interviewing for your next job. And every single moment that you have, you should spend it with people that add value to your life. If you don't, you're wasting your greatest asset. And your greatest asset in this world is time. Time is the only commodity that you cannot sell, that you cannot buy, but that everybody wants. Talk to any billionaire today who is 70 years old or 65 and ask them for half of their fortune and tell them you'd make them 28 again. They'll probably give you their whole fortune because time is the most valuable asset that we all have. So it is important for you to make sure that your time is spent wisely that your time is spent with people that add value to your life. Because if you don't do that, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have spent 
the time with my now friend. I'd have just been like everybody else, had a cup of coffee, st- stand around outside and shoot in the breeze, telling jokes. But I didn't do that. The people that I spent time with were him. Ken was his name. So I spent time with him. And the few other people I spent time with were people that were doing better than I was doing. The other four people that were on top of the leaderboard. Those are the people that I spent time with because I wanted to know what they were doing differently. I wanted to learn what they were doing differently so that I can put it into practice, so that I can do it too, so that I can replicate that, so I can make it my own. So you see, they say, if you spend time with five thieves, sooner or later, you're going to become the sixth. If you spend time with five successful people, sooner or later, you're going to become the sixth. So there was, after a short period of time of selling cars, I was now a special finance manager, helping people. And I'll tell you, this, is, this was the most satisfying positions I've had because you dealt with people that had been told no so many times. You dealt with people that were looking for a miracle, that thought and believed that they couldn't buy a car. They were just trying it out because they got this flyer or they were just trying it out because they had this radio commercial. And all of a sudden, you tell them yes. All of a sudden, you put them in a car. But I got so many hugs. I got pe- people crying. I, there are so many stories I can share of the gratitude that those people had for that vehicle that they were buying, whether it was a five-year-old vehicle or a six-year-old vehicle, a brand-new vehicle, they were all very grateful. And to them, their miracle had happened. Their prayers had been answered. You see, I think now, especially nowadays, and I say this all the time, is that we, we all pray and we all hope for miracles, but when it does come, we don't see it. We call it luck. We call it great fortune. We, we, we give it another name, but a miracle it is. We're not going to get water coming out of a rock anymore. We're not going to get a, bur- uh, a burning bush anymore. Our miracles are going to come in a different way. I'm sure many of us have heard the story of, you know, the guy you know, uh, uh, thrown overboard or something like that, and uh, he's treading water and he's praying, and and uh, tugboat comes, a boat comes. I mean, three, three, uh, three opportunities for him to get out of the water come along, and he passes them by because he's waiting for the miracle. Then he drowns and he dies. Says God, what happened? Well. I sent you a tugboat, I sent you a fishing boat, I sent you this boat. You didn't want to take it. So anyway, the point here is the gratitude that I felt from these people gave me faith in what I was doing. Took me away from that brush that I was talking about earlier on, that all car people are sleazy, all car people... um, 
you know, scammers or whatever word that uh, words that I used. It made me feel good about what I did because of the gratitude that those people had. I felt good about it and realized that what I did helped and helps a lot of people because most people don't find it fun to shop for a vehicle. Most people, it's not a good experience. Unfortunately, there are some in our industry that haven't done very well with their customers and it has marred the experience for a lot of people. But there's still a lot of people doing a lot of good. So there's more good people out there than the few that are not doing things correctly and well. But what I experienced being in special finance is it's so gratifying. It makes you feel good going home at night, knowing that somebody is looking up and saying, thank you for giving me this vehicle that I desperately needed to go to work, to take my kids to school, whatever the situation is. So let's be looking out for our little miracles because they do happen every day. We do see them every day. We just need to open our eyes just a little wider for us to see those miracles because they are there every day. <laughs>